1848, a violent storm of revolutions tore through Europe. With an astounding rapidity, crowds of working-class radicals and middle-class liberals in Paris, Milan, Venice, Naples, Palermo, Vienna, Prague, Budapest, Krakow and Berlin toppled the old regimes and began the task of forging a new liberal order. Political events so dramatic had not been seen in Europe since the French Revolution of 1789 and would not be witnessed again until the revolutions of Eastern and Central Europe in 1989 or perhaps the less far-reaching Bolshevik Revolution of 1917. The torrent severely battered the conservative order that had kept peace on the continent since the end of the Napoleonic Wars in 1815, but which in many countries also suppressed dreams of national freedom and constitutional government. The brick-built authoritarian edifice that had imposed itself on Europeans for almost two generations folded under the weight of the insurrections. The story of 1848 has been retold many times, it is a complicated one, and telling it poses some interesting challenges. One historian has described it as a problem of historical synchronization, but Italians have a much more colourful phrase, un vero quarantotto, a real 48, which means a right royal mess. While the main purpose is, therefore, to tell the story, and to do so in a way that will hopefully be enjoyed, the book is also driven by the belief that the revolutions of 1848-49 are worth revisiting because they have such contemporary resonance. In general, I let the reader draw her or his own conclusions and connections from the evidence and narrative presented here. But every so often I give what I hope will be a helpful nudge. In 1848, the revolutionaries were faced with the problem of constructing liberal constitutional regimes while facing issues that are strikingly modern. For the Germans, Italians, Hungarians, Romanians, Poles, Czechs, Croats and Serbs, the year was to be the springtime of peoples, a chance to assert their own sense of national identity and to gain political recognition. In the cases of the Germans and the Italians, it was an opportunity for national unification under a liberal or even democratic order. Nationalism, therefore, was one issue that came frothing to the surface of European politics in 1848. While rooted in constitutionalism and civil rights, it was a nationalism that ominously made little allowance for the legitimacy of claims of other national groups. In many places, such narrowness of vision led to bitter ethnic conflict, which in the end helped to destroy the revolutionary regimes of Central and Eastern Europe. Another problem was the question of constitutions and democracy. The revolutions were scarred almost everywhere by a bitter, often violent political polarisation. Moderates wanted parliamentary government, but not necessarily to enfranchise everyone, and they were challenged by radicals who wanted democracy, frequently combined with dramatic social reform, without delay. This split between liberals and democrats divided the revolutionary alliance that had so easily toppled the conservative order, and the resulting political polarisation had tragic consequences, not just in 1848, but for the future of liberal government and democracy in many parts of Europe deep into the 20th century. A third issue that came boiling to the surface in 1848 and never left the European political agenda was the social question. The abject misery of both urban and rural people had loomed menacingly in the 30 or so years since the Napoleonic Wars, the poverty was caused by a burgeoning population which was not yet offset by a corresponding growth in the economy. 
Governments, however, did little to address the social distress which was taken up as a cause by a relatively new political current, socialism, in 1848. The revolutions, therefore, thrust the social question firmly and irrevocably into politics. Any subsequent regime, no matter how conservative or authoritarian, ignored it at its peril. In 1848, however, the question of what to do about poverty would prove to be one of the great nemeses of the liberal revolutionary regimes. The revolutions were also genuinely European, in the sense that they arose across the continent. Even countries such as Britain and Russia, that were not directly affected by insurrections, were touched by the impact. This European dimension raises the interesting issue of how far Europe, in its historical development, is merely the sum of its different national parts, or how far those parts are linked by common experience, shared problems and similarities in ideals and aspirations. This question, too, has an important contemporary significance.